you see around us, we, we have quite a few decorations from, we left them up from VBS. We wanted you to see uh, some of the things that um, we um, got to participate this past week, and it was a, a glorious time. It was a lot of fun um, to, to see the kids. And my, what did we average? I know we had 60 on some nights of children. Um, does anybody know the, the, the average? Well, I'm calling it 60 because I'm a Baptist, and so... Close to 60 every night. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And, I'm, and I just want to thank all of, I mean, Nathaniel and Levi and Lacey and all, everybody that participated in this because that is a huge labor of love. Uh, I mean, I was sitting out there. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's do that. Everybody that participated in it. You know, I just, I, I got to reap the benefits of it. I didn't get to do all the things of, of prep and everything. It's been a pretty busy week for all of us, but I was sitting out on the pole out there watching the kids go through the bouncy house, and I wish we could bottle that. You know, I wish you could bottle what they have because I needed it, and I, I was so tired, I think I was going to fall off that little bench out there, and, and um, I'm really feeling my, my, uh, my 58 years, but uh, you think, well, you're just still a kid. Well, and, and here it is, but here, not so much. But, um, but Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, I love encouragement from our church family, and, uh, but it is good to be with you today, and just thank you all so much, because without you, we couldn't have done it, and here's the glory of the Lord. We had two children saved. That's what it's all about, folks, is letting children hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Levi got to lead them, and we're going to be talking more about that and, and uh, about their now discipling them into um, their faith in Christ. But that's what it's all about. We do that. That's the reason we go all the... And that's what Christ expects from us. As, as Nathaniel was telling us this morning, you know, my sermons have been in the past few weeks about, you know, talking about breaking up fallow ground and about the church and if there's any fallow ground that needs to be broken up. And we've looked in, in Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, the last few verses of that, of that great gospel telling us to go and make disciples. You baptize them in the name. And so we saw that the whole Trinity is there with us as we do that. And so part of um, my passion is, is that, that we share in that glory. But before I get to my sermon, I want to read to you because we are, you, know, you can see I have my very patriotic time, very thankful. And, uh, it, and I almost, almost forgot to do this. I'm thankful that we get to be here today because of the past generations that have enabled us to be here. Let us not think, uh, just take this, this uh, Memorial Day lightly. I mean, we've seen that there's many here who have served and their family have given their lives to the defense and the freedom, that we have this freedom right here, right now. You know this is very rare, church. What we have in our nation today is very rare in the world. We have the freedom to get together, to open up a Bible, to have free speech, even though that's being limited some. We have the, the, the right to bear arms. We have, open, we have a republic. Now, let me just say something about that. We have a republic. And let people say, you know, we have a democracy. We do not have a democracy. We revote democratic. We have a democratic form of government, but we are a republic of 50 states. And so we come together as a republic. And so we are thankful for that republic to give us the freedoms that we have to open up this word of God because there's all across the globe, this is banned, this is not allowed, you need to go to prison for it. But you know what? The word of God, it tells us, is not chained. I love that verse, the word of God is not chained. It doesn't matter what man tries to do to this word, the Lord God, his word prevails. Praise him.
I wanted to read to you something because this really fits well into my sermon. And this is um, John F. Kennedy, his inaugural speech. Now, I won't read to you the entire speech, but there's a part of it that he brings into this about the country as it faces communism and the social threat as his, his inaugural speech. And this is the one where he says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. But there's in the middle of it, there's this. He says, let every nation know whether it wishes us well or ill that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Since this country was founded, each generation of Americans have been summoned to give testimony to its national loyalty. Now listen to this last line. The graves of young Americans who answered the call to service surround the globe. That's, that's some very powerful things. Calling our nation to unity, calling our nation to what we once were. This is back in 1961, four years before I was even born. But the reason it dovetails so well into this is because it's the same call to the church, not so much for the national part of it, but for a church as well. He says, we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, or oppose any foe. And then we can add in there the gospel. And so since the church has been founded, we can put this in there, each generation of Americans have been, or churches, have been summoned to give testimony. You know, that's what we're supposed to do with our Lord God. We give testimony. I love telling people about what Jesus has done for me. And so these past few sermons, that has been my goal, is to encourage you to share the story of Jesus in your life, because that's what it is. And so the sermon that I have today is about the fulfillment of that telling of the story or about part of the the process. It's called the harvest. You'll see it there. We're looking in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. In Matthew chapter 9, we have some great teaching from our Lord Jesus Christ. And let the teaching of our Lord fill our hearts today because this is his desire for us. Matthew 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 I'm always going to preach this, let the word speak. And this word will speak to us. Thank you for standing already. I never even have to ask. That's a blessing to my heart. I call this message the harvest because that is what Jesus calls us to do, be part of the harvest. But he says this in chapter 9 of of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 35. And Jesus was going about in all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for this ability to come, and Father, for the, the, the many Americans, Father, that gave their life for this freedom. And Father God, we also come and we thank you, Lord, for our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us freedom. And Father, a freedom, that, that freedom from sin, a freedom from death, 
And Lord God, we thank you because we have this great victory as we sing, because that was won at the cross and was also exemplified by the empty tomb. And Father God, let us now, Father, as we consider our faith in you and Father, the, the freedom you've given us, that great gift of salvation, let us now, Father, consider what we can do for you. And Father God, we ask that you see the, that you give us a vision for the harvest. Just as you're our vision, Father God, let us see the harvest. Because Lord God, it is easy to see. And Father, we ask for those divine appointments to be given to us where we may share um, a, a thing or two about our great Savior. And Father, we just ask for your, for your, um, Father, for your working in our lives. And I thank you, God. But Father, as we end this prayer, Holy Spirit, we ask that we quiet our hearts, we listen to you, and Father God, there may be some here this morning that needs to make a major decision about their life, that they've never given their life to Jesus Christ. And Father God, let that be today, tug on our hearts, both those who need Jesus Christ and those who had Jesus for so long. We just ask for work on our hearts this morning. And we thank you and praise you, O God, for this wonderful, eternal word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. We do all this by faith. By faith we are saved, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. By faith we are saved, but it is also by faith that, that once we are saved, that we go out into the world. And we go into the, the places that, um, that um, you know, the Lord takes us to. But it's all about the faith of his people. The Bible talks a lot about faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please him. That one really gets me from time to time, by the way. Am I pleasing God? Am I using the faith that I have for his service? But it also tells us that um, when, when we put our faith into motion, and we want to know not only the, the, the motion, but also the will of God, because here's the thing I know. That's the reason we need to read our Bibles, because if we know the word of God, you'll know the will of God. So faith begins it all. So you have faith, and then we have the Word of God, and you put the Word of God into our hearts, and the, and the, and the, the active Holy Spirit within us now moves us to the will of God, and that is the, the, the last thing on that chain is the glory of God. You know, when you share your faith with somebody, or you just share something, and it could, doesn't even have to be your testimony. It could be, you know, the Lord's done this in my life, and maybe talking to another Christian, you give glory to God. Do you know that? Because his glory is in us, he shares that with us, and our job is to give others the glory, uh, tell them about the glory of God. Because this is his expectation of us. We read it right here. We, we saw it in Matthew chapter 28, it's an expectation. Go into all the world and do these things. And now we have this, as we come to this, uh, this, um, this passage, he shows us a little more depth to that. And I want you to see the depth in all that. Let me give you a little bit of background on this. And the background is, is this chapter is full of Jesus doing some amazing things. We'll see that the, a, a, a small girl has died. And Jesus comes to, the, comes to the house after all that and says, no, this girl's asleep. And they laughed at him. Everybody's laughing at Jesus until that little girl walked out the door. 
you know, the world laughs at Jesus today or mocks Jesus today, then the proof is what Jesus can do. And he can do all things. Amen. Amen. And so I'm excited to be here this morning. Are you excited to be in church? Man, we get to come to church. We get to open our Bibles. We get to worship God. And we just, we have this this great message from God and he's teaching us. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, this is what I want you to do. He says, I raised this little girl to life. We see the woman that had 12 years of hemorrhage there. She's in this and he says, your faith has made you well. Not only that, we go on a little bit more and there's two blind men and and he heals them and and he tells them, says, you know, don't tell anybody. They didn't listen very well because they're telling everybody. And then we have the Pharisees in this as well. And the Pharisees are like, we just don't like this guy so much. And the only thing I can say in this chapter, you can see it there, is the reason he cast out demons because he's a demon himself. Now that's continued a little bit more into the Gospel of Mark. And we'll preach that one day. But I want to tell you, Jesus is doing some amazing things. He's doing some amazing things to change people's lives. He's doing some things that makes people really nervous. But he's doing some things... He's doing these things because he's trying to get people well. Now, I'm just not talking about physically well. I'm talking about spiritually well. And if you're here today and you're not spiritually well, and what I mean by that, you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior in your life, you are not spiritually well. In fact, this, it's about hope. What do you have in the, the world today? About Do you have any hope? And it's all based upon what politics can do, what economics can do, what somebody else may have done for you. I'm telling you, the greatest hope in the world is what Jesus has done for us. Amen. That's the greatest hope in the world. And so he's giving this, this uh, expectation about, because you can see the different type of people. He's got a woman who has bleeding, then she's got that. The girl has died. He can conquer that. He's got the, he's got the, the blind, the two blind guys, and he's, he can take care of that. And he can take care of whatever is ailing you as well. I love our Lord Jesus. And it ought to make us smile when he goes and we see him doing these things. And so remember the faith, the word of God, and then we have the will of God. It's all for the glory of God. You know, we can talk about a lot of different things in here today about programs and things and how we're going to get the gospel message out. In fact, my, I've got a library full of books that tells me how to do ministry. But I'm going to tell you, and of course there's programs and seminars and all sorts of things around the world today, and we can get into that. But Jesus gives us a very simple program here at the end that I just read to you. And I want to look at that because it is about, you know, those books and those things are all about how to have a successful ministry. And we want a successful ministry. But here's what I want to tell you, folks. Yes, we want a successful ministry, but I would like for us to have an effective ministry. So what is the difference between effective and successful well, I'm going to use a little bit of our, 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 um, our mind's eye here. I want you to imagine that I have a stick of dynamite. And no, I don't want to throw it in the crowd. And, uh, but uh, I have a stick of dynamite, and I go outside, and I put it in the parking lot, and I light it, and it goes off. And that was success because it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. I lit it, it, it went and it blew up. And so that was a success. But what would it be if I took that stick of dynamite 
and I drilled a hole like you see in the, in the, in the mountains as they made I-35 through there, and you see all the little boreholes they made down through there. Well, those are drilled down, and they put dynamite in those holes, and then they set it off. We have both success and effectiveness because what happened was, was that the force that was just didn't go up and everywhere, now it is directed that's what makes it effective. It was directed down into the, and it had a purpose to move rock. And that is what we have in this. We want to be successful, we want, but we also want to be effective in what happens. Because as I, walk, as, as I drive through there on I-35 and I get through there down near Davis, I can see that it was successful and effective and it changed the landscape. It didn't look like that some, uh, uh, you know, I, how long, I don't know how long it was for the, when they built I-35 and put that through there, but it doesn't look the same as it once was. Folks, in our church today, we want to be successful and effective in changing the landscape of this world. That is what we're called to do. And that is what Jesus, you can almost see the, 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 the effectiveness that he's doing here, and, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But our goal is to change the landscape, to provide the resources. God provides all these resources for us. I mean, he's given us all these resources for VBS and financial resources. He's given us strength. He's given us the, the, the ability to move our bodies. But he's given us the resources of the Holy Spirit. And if we think we can do this on our own, we're sorely mistaken. So don't miss that. It's the Holy Spirit that moves things. And let me say this, this is your first point. We are meant to be distributors of the word. God does the manufacturing. So let me explain that. When you look into the feeding of the 5,000, we see that they fed 5,000 people, probably closer to 15,000 people. What did Jesus have the disciples do? He gave them a challenge, basically, to say, okay, what are we going to do? And some said, Master, we don't have enough. We don't have enough to, to go around. We don't have enough to, we don't, we don't have enough money. We don't have, the only thing we have is this little bit of, this little boy's lunch. And Jesus took it and blessed it, and they fed fifteen to 20,000 people with those small boys' lunch. What did the disciples do? They didn't manufacture it. Jesus did the manufacturing. They got to distribute it. And as they distributed that, that, um, all that food, then Jesus said, go collect what's left. And I love, I, I love God because he puts everything into harmony. They came back with 12 baskets. What he was trying to teach them is, is that you have faith in me. Remember faith? You have faith in the Lord of the harvest, and he'll provide the resources. He'll provide the, the manufacturing. We just have to be the distributors of it. And so, and distributing is not hard. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. Distributing is not hard, but our goal, if we're going to change the landscape, let us understand that we are the distributors. And we just submit to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, just take this opportunity and use it for your glory. Oh, praise God, we have a good God that wants us to do that. And so if we're going to do this to change the landscape, we have to use the resources that God has given us, but we also have to be very intentional about it. Intentional investment. What does that mean? It means that we're going to be investing in people. 
You know, I have stocks and bonds and that sort of thing, and I invest in companies. And I invest in those companies because I want to see my money grow because if they do better, if they use my money to grow and everything, and I make sure I go through Guidestone and make sure that they're not supporting the wrong things. That's what's important, by the way. But my intention is to give them the money, and so I trust them to go and make more, not only for themselves, but for me. It sounds very egotistical, but that's the way we do it. But, but that's what I expect. Jesus does the same thing. You know what he tells us in Sermon on the Mount? He says, you are salt and you are light. What good is salt if it's not salty? You know, a long time ago, what they would do is they'd take out salt that lost its saltiness because, they would do, because salt would. It would lose its, its vitality or its saltiness. And they'd put it in the road to kill weeds. And so when he says, when he talks about the, that it was no good except for the road, that's what it's all about, is they just is, is a weed killer. But he says, what good is it if you hide your light under a basket or you lose your saltiness? So Jesus is telling us in the Sermon on the Mount, just a few chapters before this, be that salt, be that light. And once again, he's the resources. But we have to have that intentional investment in him that when we go out, we have to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? You ever done that? Lord, I'm going to meet people today. Help me to be the very best I can be for your glory. You know, when we start praying those things and we start searching for those things, we're going to see the kingdom grow. Because he's going to honor that. Because we see he, how, he, how, he, um, uh, how he impacts people in this. And so this intentional investment that we do relies upon the Holy Spirit, relies upon the Word, rely, relies on that we bathe this in prayer. Oh, we got a sermon series coming up on prayer this fall. And so we rely on all these things. And so let us now, we, we put our faith into motion and say, God, I read everything in your word and you tell me to go. Now, I mean, let's just look at it. You tell me to go. You tell me to do these things. And I want to. My, my, my grandfather would sometimes tell me, he says, I want you to get your want to up and going. Because I want you to do these things. You know, the worst thing we can say as Christians is we can't. You know, we serve a God that created all this, created us. Are we using the word can't in place of won't? I won't do these things? Now, we don't say that out loud, do we? But does it reflect our heart? Our intentionality means everything because not only does our intentionality mean everything, the expectation is here. So let's get down to the word to see that we have this intentional investment and Jesus teaches it how. Now, we've changed the bulletin up a little bit. You have on the back of it the place for notes. If you take notes, that's fantastic. If you write in your Bible, I'm not going to hold that against you because I want you to open your Bible as much as possible. But we're going to see how Jesus teaches us how to do this in four very short steps. But it, once again, it's going to have to be in, um, intentional to do this. And so here are the words that I want you to write down and we'll get to each one of these in just a moment. See, like with our eyes, feel, know, and do. So it's see, feel, know, and do. All these are found in this very short piece. And so before we, we dump, jump into these, I want you to see that Jesus made time for them. 
because people are the ministry. Um, a wise man I, I read many years ago, uh, Warren Wiersbe, and I'm going to talk about him a lot because he's one of the guys that um, I, I read quite a bit because he's such a man of God, passed on now. But he said, you have to understand that people are not an inconvenience. They are the ministry. And not only they're the ministry, they're an opportunity. We have so many opportunities. So Jesus is making time for them because people are the ministry. And we see here, we, we see this, this fourfold program because Jesus teaches us how to be that salt and light, to be that ministry, and to be that intentional, successful, effective ministry that we have. So enough about that. Let's look at the first one, verse 36. And seeing the multitudes... Now let's back up to the verse 35. And Jesus was going about in all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now with that background there, now we come to verse 36 and it says, And seeing the multitudes. The word has gotten out about what Jesus can do. And he's, he's healed, remember, the, the, the lady of bleeding 12 years? There's a little girl that was dead, and he says, no, she's sleeping, and they all laughed at him, and all of a sudden she walks out. And then the blind men are everywhere going, hey, we were blind, and he's made us see. I love that song, isn't it? Amazing Grace, I was once blind, but now I see. So we see all these things going on, but he teaches us how to do it. And so what is he seeing? He sees the multitudes. And when he saw the multitudes, he got to see how desperate they were. I mean, you have to think about this, this uh, first century, what's going on here. The, the best medicine was basically olive oil, what you have in your kitchen cabinet. That's all they really had. Now, they probably had a few things that um, they'd take from a tree, maybe like an aspirin or something like that, but they didn't have any of the modern conveniences that we have today, didn't have the medicines today. And when we look at all those things that we have today, we think back, and they had nothing other than olive oil and, and, uh, and maybe a, a few little things, some herbs or something to help out. But when Jesus saw him, he saw how desperate they were. They wanted to be made well so badly that they, they, they saw that this opportunity. Remember about opportunity? He's making himself available for opportunity. And he saw the multitudes. Folks, we have to be able to see what's going on in our world today. And we're going to preach against that because what's happening in our world today is, is, is everything past what we, what, uh, we, we consider holy. And we have to be, we have to, but we can't Bible thump them. But we have to see and have, and, and have this, um, this, um, this ability to see where they're coming from and how desperate they are. Because we live in a lost and dying world, folks. And they are desperate to know the truth. Because I can guarantee you this, and I've talked to a lot of people, they are tired of being lied to. They are tired of being lied to because... They'll get lied about this, and then the complete opposite happens. They'll get lied to about this, and the complete opposite happens. And people just want to be able to have something to believe in. Well, guess what? We have the ability to show them Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Praise God for him. But he sees them and he, how desperate they are without him. And so when we look into our world today, are we seeing them the way Jesus sees them? There are people out there that are dead in Christ. 
Go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and you'll see that you were once dead in your sins. But because of Jesus, who is the gospel, you are now made alive in him. Because God, and I love that little, those little two words, but God. God saw us where we're at and he sent his son Jesus for it. And so we have to see them the same way he sees them. Because they were lost, this multitude's out there and he sees them. And they were lost like they didn't have a shepherd. They're just milling around. Going over to this pasture and see if it's going to fulfill them. Going over to this pasture, see if it's going to fulfill them. Going over here and see if it's going to bring any kind of reality in their life, any kind of peace in their life. And Jesus Christ brings that peace, but he saw them for who they were. So if you're going to get out there in this intentional world about, about the opportunity God gives us, we have to see them. I mean, really see them. We live in a country today that has systematically taken out the word of God, taken out the prayers, taken Jesus out of it, trying to take away our holidays. And, and, that, and you know, that's going to happen. But that gives us more and more opportunities, folks, to share Jesus with people. As much as they think they're trying to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're actually promoting it. It's just the church has to get ready Get set and go. My little grandson, he doesn't talk yet. And he was in the car with me yesterday and he's learned something new. Now he can't say the word yet, but he goes, eh, eh, eh. His mom and dad have taught him, get ready, get set, go. And it's so cute to hear him in there because I was, I was leading him on. I was like, God, I want to hear that again, you know. But I was thinking about that and I was like, that is what Jesus is saying. He says, get ready, get set, Go. And Jesus will never fake you out like you just stopped at the finish line. No, he'll never do that. He'll go along with you. And I'm thankful for that. So we live in a country that doesn't know anything really about Jesus Christ, what an opportunity is. And, and we have to realize this. The power is not us. Once again, we are the distributors of all of it. He is the manufacturer. And with Jesus taken out, of the, the, taken out, the word of God taken out, prayer taken out, is it any wonder our country is as crazy as it is right now? And when the good news is there's boundaries. Uh, those, those boundaries are broken, yeah, but there's opportunities. So see the way Jesus has seen them. The second word is feel. Look at verse 36. And seeing the multitudes... He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. So he saw them and then he felt for them. There's a very interesting Greek word here. It means inward parts. And that inward parts actually is where we derive the word spleen from. So it's right in here. And so Jesus, it was kind of like when, when he was seeing them, he's kind of doubling over because he had such a compassion for them and his, he felt for them. And when we look at that, we see that gut-wrenching for Jesus to see people in this condition. And, and, and I guarantee you when he's on the cross, he saw people the same way because the, we have such a misguided world. And so what it was is they had no direction or hope and it was, it was gut-wrenching to him. Are we seeing people the same way? 
Do we have that compassion for them to, to, to feel for them? Because we have to see them as they actually are. And he saw the multitudes and he saw that they were distressed. That means they were harassed. But it also has another meaning. Not only the harassed, but they were, they were viewed in such a way that they were just throwaway type of people. Both to the Roman government and to the Jewish culture of the time. These people are just the multitudes and they're there for taxes and that's just it. Psalm 139 tells us that we were formed, that we were handcrafted by God. I love the fact that God gave me the body that he gave me, that he gave me all the particular parts, and that he formed me. And not only does he form me, he knows me. He has the foundations of the world. We go back to Ephesians. Man, I tell you, we need a Bible study on Ephesians. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, it's just it's wonderful stuff. Because it tells us in Ephesians that he knew us from the very beginning, even before the world began, he knew us. Our God is an amazing God, amen? And every one of those people you see out there are the image of God. He formed them, he made them, he, 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 he knew them before the beginning of the world. And that's the reason why he was, it was a gut punch to him is because he saw his creation and they were just scattered. And they didn't have anything to fall back on. And they were considered throwaway people. I can guarantee you there are no, there's no such thing as throwaway people. Because they're born in the image of God. And so what does that mean for us? Well, it means that there's still multitudes out there. I've already talked about that quite a bit, so we'll move on pretty quickly. But nobody's going to argue that. Let me just tell you this, and this is the impact of this. Do not be afraid to feel compassion for the lost. Let me bring that in another way. Do not be afraid to get it in the game. Jesus wasn't afraid. We sang up here about fear. I have no fear when I'm in him. Yeah, man can do some, they can do some pretty lousy things to me, but who do I belong to? I belong to Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that there is no condemnation, none whatsoever in him. Then it goes on to tell us at the very end of Romans chapter 8, it tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. And it tells us in, in, uh, in Matthew 28, and I can, I can go on and on and on. Matthew 28, he'll never leave us, forsake us. Go back to the very ending of Revelation, same thing. He'll never leave us until the end of the age. He'll never leave us, never depart us. What is holding us back, as I guess is what I'm trying to say? Because we're afraid what people's going to think of us? Do you think they're going to be thinking that if they stand before God and said, nobody ever told me about you? Well, it's important. Don't be afraid to feel for the lost. Don't be afraid to get in the game. I know it's scary. I know there's some things out there that, that um, but, but it is, it is the, the wish of God that we do these things. Once again, Matthew 28. And here's the thing that I'm going to tell you is very difficult in, in relation to being to feel. Don't be afraid to let your heart be soft. I know it's one of those things where it's going to it's going to get trampled on from time to time. And it's going to get broken. But don't be afraid to let your heart get soft. Because he tells us to see him. 
Because who's the owner of our heart? Who's the one that Who's the, 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 the one that takes care of our heart? It's our Lord Jesus. Depend on him, lean on him. What does it tell us in, in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Lean not on your understanding. Trust with him all your heart, and he'll make your path straight. I believe that, by the way. I believe it immensely. I depend upon it. So third thing is, is no. Look at verse 37. They need to say to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus knows they're out there, and we do too. Harvest time is important. You know, my grandfather never finished high school. In fact, he, he, finished, a, he, he finished his education in the seventh grade, and the reason why is he had to go to work in the coal mines. But another reason is, is it was time to pick cotton. Always about the time school started was the time to pick cotton. And he said all of his family would get together, and they'd go out, and they'd go together, and they'd pick cotton. In fact, my grandfather, even his later years, grew about three or four um, um, plants of cotton just to remind himself of what it's like. But it was harvest time, and everybody got into it. And so harvest time is when everybody gets involved to bring the crops in. And so we have to know we have to know, and he says, he says, the harvest is plentiful, it's out there. It's abundant. But here's the thing, folks, that Jesus is trying to get across to us. The problem is not the harvest, it's the help. What does he say? He says, therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, last two words in that, his harvest. His so the Lord has got, given us a great, a great field of opportunity. We should know it. And so that's when we all get in there. Last one is do. Look at verse 35. And Jesus was going about in the cities, all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every, type of, every kind of sickness. Now, the healing of the sicknesses and the diseases and that sort of thing, that is given to the apostles, the apostles' time, and to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is no longer something that's given to us. But I can tell you this, that teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom is. And we have such an honor to do that. It is a glory to God to do that. But we have to notice a few things here, and I'm going to wrap this up for, very quickly here. Notice that Jesus went to the people. He went to them. He went to their cities. He went to their synagogues. He went into their homes. He did all those things. Remember, he, went to, he, he told Zacchaeus, he says, I must go to your house today. He went to the people. And so when he went to the people, he, he met them where they were. You know, when I was a kid... And uh, raised by my grandparents, I knew what was going to happen on, Saturday, uh, on Sunday. Saturday night, I laid out my best clothes, and there it was. And I laid, uh, and, uh, and well, I guess I'd call them my best clothes, but they were clean. And so I laid out my clothes, and I put my Bible where I could find it, because I know we're going to church. That was a given. Short of fiery hail and tornado and hurricane all happening all at the same time, we're going to church. 
if you came to visit with us on Saturday night and you're spending the night with us, guess where you're going Sunday morning? You're going to church. And my grandmother had this, I don't know where she got it. I think my uncle gave it because we were in the Navy, this great big metal spoon. And uh, I was so afraid of that metal spoon because she'd wave it at you. You're going to church. And my grandma also had this thing about waving a knife around. She wasn't a murderous woman by any stretch of the imagination. But she'd wave that knife around. And was like, okay, don't let that slip out. I'm going to church. I guarantee you I'm going. She was a ninja, which is another story. Grandma ninja. You'll have to think on that for a little bit. But you see, the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, what used to be common for people to come to church is not anymore. We have to get out there. We have to get out there. And I'm going to preach that so much because it's true. Because guess what? I'm first in line. And, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to lead you in that charge. I'm going to lead you in that because I believe it down to the soles of my feet. Because God never asked us to sit on the sidelines. God never told us that, uh, yep, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're not fit. He says we're all fit. And so we've got to get out there. Intentionality, the courage to do it. Meeting them where they are. Now let me just say this as I end, end all this up. Jesus knows where to send us. And so we need to be praying about that. And so he knows where to send us. He knows all these things. And it's going to transform us if we, if, we, if we see, if we feel, if we know, and if we do. Very simple. And Jesus is our teacher in that. And that's all he's asking us to do. Once again, we are the distributors, not the manufacturers. Pray. Look what he says here. He, he, he ends it in prayer. He says he wants us to engage. He says, therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I love those words in red because those are our orders. And so Jesus wants us engaged. As I finish this, this added encouragement, he says, pray. I wish I had another hour to talk to you about what the effectiveness of prayer and the Lord God is listening because if we pray, he's going, to, he's going to give us all of these things, the ability to do these things. And, he's going to, and we're going to see such an impact. So are we willing to pray? Are we willing to, to, to turn to God and say, God, we want this? Because the vision that we have, be thou my vision. The vision of God is for all people, is to come to know the grace of Jesus Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so my, my plea today is that we come and we pray. That if you're here today and you don't have Jesus in your life, that you come and pray and you receive. You see, he has done the manufacturing. All we have to do is receive and say, yes, I want that, Jesus. I know that you said you died for me. I know that, that, um, that, that you led a sinless life. I know that you rose again, and I believe. And I want to be yours. Just like that little girl in, in this chapter. She was dead. But she walked out of the place. Jesus can bring the dead to life.
He can bring those who are dead in their sins to life and life abundantly. Once again, preach forever on that. But I'm calling us here today as pastor, come and pray. Because there may be somebody in your heart right now that you want to pray for, that has been on your heart for a long time, that you want to pray for, that, that, that um, they may be going through a hard time or they may be lost. And that we're going to use those words that people, we need to be born again because we're lost and he saves us. We're going to use all those words because they're, they're his words. And you may just want to come and say, God, I see now. I want to get into the game. And so I'm calling us today to prayer. I'm calling us to come and kneel before God and say, God, this is my life and I give it to you because you're the owner. And I want to be the best distributor I can of your gospel. And so when we start this invitation, whatever your needs are, you may want to come and pray about something completely different. You may want to pray with me. I'd love to. But I want us to come and get out of our comfort zone, come and seek God and seek him for his message and for his glory to turn this world around. And it starts one by one. And so with that, we see that he's given us to see, to feel, to know, to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come and we come together. And Father God, we pray. We pray, Lord, for this, this great word of God that gives us such this great commission. That, Father God, there is a harvest out there. And, Father, I know that without a shadow of a doubt that you have a plan for, for us. We have a plan for the individual. You have a plan for the Sunday school classes. You have a plan for this church. And it is time, Father, that we come in this message that we come and we seek you. The Father, we pray that we may become the workers that you've asked us to be, to pray, to look into the harvest. And so, Lord God, we give this to you and we just ask this for the glory of God because our faith brings us to the, the word of God and the will of God for the glory of God. And so let us come this morning and pray and seek you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you?